Bonjour les amis, je suis Nick Tobin de chez Pickle Cutters et bienvenue à le Work For It podcast. Now that's what I'm talking about. What more do you want? French pickle cutters in the house. The Dude, Nick, pill. how you doing, man? How you doing? Bad yourself, man. How you doing? I'm doing pretty good. I'm doing pretty good. It's feeling really good out here today. So I'm so happy to be with you. Thanks for joining the interview. Yes. Yes. Thanks for having me. Man. Yeah, man. So, Nick, how the hell are you? What What's going on in your shop this week? Uh, I've uh, okay. Today is Wednesday. Yeah, man. Work for uh, it Wednesday. I've I've retired from hand sanding for the rest of the week. <laughs> uh, I did like hand sanding for I got, I got five days of hand sanding in. Oh, jeez. Yeah, that's just about half of the batch I had to do. The other half of the batch is not heat treated or ground or anything like that, so I'm not even focusing on any of that. How so, large is this batch that you're working on? Twenty four. 24 knives of course why not it all started with a press (laughs) it all started with a press that sounds like the start of a great story yeah so out of those 24 blades there's no mono steel configurations in there whatsoever it's everything you could think of from kumai to nickel shims uh damascus sandmai wrought iron sandmai a bunch of stuff yeah man still kumai you are killing it with you. You put on the new addition to the side of your shop. You doubled your floor space, and now you are absolutely killing it on the forging side of your shop. I'm having a blast, is what I'm doing, dude. It's... You're tell us or tell me all about you know what what was it that made you think? Oh well, you know I instead of moving to a new shop or setting up a new shop, I'm just gonna put on an addition. Uh, that was a bump in the road, to be honest with you guys. I was ready. I'm kind of ahead of my business plan and where I where I seen myself being in five years is where I stand at two and a half years. All right. All right. So, you know, when that two year mark hit in the spring, I was ready for that big move. And uh, my business freshly being registered and all that good stuff only last October. I have no declared revenue as a business. Okay. All right. So banks are lending me zero dollars. Gotcha. Until I build up revenue as a business and income taxes are done and all that stuff for a couple of years, then I could apply for loans. And the organization that I'm working with for my uh, my business loans and all that stuff, uh, they don't do residential loans like for a house with a garage for say. So okay. like I don't want to just buy a building and not have anywhere else to live. Yeah, so, I definitely feel that. Yeah, yeah. so, you know, I, I wouldn't mind sleeping in the corner of my shop or whatever, but <laughs> but it's still, you know, it's not what I'm looking for. And so, I, you know, that's why I decided I'm going to, the day the bank said no, that's the day that I emptied half of my bank account and threw a couple grand. Well, I didn't empty half of it, but I threw a couple grand into my shop and threw an addition on there. And I went forward with everything else, not let that get in the way, you know, because... If I would have waited for them, I, I don't even know where I'd have my press in my shop right now. And you pulled a Matt Gentry and did all the work yourself, right? Yeah, man. I was born <laughs> with a hammer in my hand. So there you like, go. I, I literally construction my whole life. You know, I, that's, I, I didn't want to graduate. I wanted to move to the States and work in construction fields and work with my uncles and my brother. And I ended up graduating and going down there after every school vacation in the summer spent in connecticut swinging a hammer from the age gotcha. of 14 gotcha but i wasn't out in the streets playing with my friends in summer vacations i was down south swinging hammers there you go there you go so what kind of construction was it more industrial more homes i did you know? i did residential and commercial i did both i did a lot of uh, residential drywall and uh, commercial framing and drywall as well too acoustic ceiling and stuff like that so you have a really you have a really good background in construction you felt very comfortable just putting you know slapping up that quick addition i could build the house if i needed to like like if i don't buy now that i know that i have a couple years to to look into getting whatever i want i might just buy a piece of land and build myself you know what i want it to be and not have to buy something and adapt it to what i want it to be 
So what you're saying is here in a, a year or so when Emily and I are looking at getting a house, I'll I'll call up pickle cutters and you'll just come down here and build my shop for me. <laughs> I, I'll have to build mine first, bud. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> I ain't building anybody else's shop unless mine's built. <laughs> okay, well, here's the deal. You know, you, you'll come down and help me build mine, and then I'll go up and help you build yours. It's yeah, just that, a... That, that might work. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. <laughs> Goodness. I'm not saying it's not a possibility. <laughs> yeah, for sure, for sure. So switching gears real quick, I kind of want to get into, you know, your what what got you into making in general because you right now are making some really, really high-end stuff, and I've been really enjoying watching the evolution of pickle cutters going from those really rough and tumble knives where you don't go above – what did you say? I think it was like 60 – 120 grit right nothing above 120 grit everything is you know manly rough you know all that fun stuff to now you're doing super high polished hand sanded you know making your own QMI and other damascus steels you're like now right up there with the best of them it's just it's so cool to see the evolution so let's go back to the genesis and talk about what it is that got you you know making your first knife I wouldn't say up there with the best of them. Well, come on now. But the best of them are definitely there by my side helping me grow. There it is. Maybe one of them. There it Uh, is. I appreciate one of them. You know, like I I could start throwing out names, but that that would do the whole show. Well, throw out a couple of them. Who's helping you the most right now? Koi Koi Baker has helped me out with some good tips and leads on welding and all that stuff. Uh, Dennis Tyrell has helped me out a lot as well, too. Uh, anybody who's involved in the Damascus and all that good stuff, pattern welding world, uh, everybody I thought of asking for help who was there, period. You know, so it's like I said, in the in the moment of this that second where I needed to know something, whoever was online was my target. So like I said, <laughs> there's a few of them. You know, so nice. it's just a shoot your shot mentality. You never know if you don't ask. You know, Nick Rossi has helped me a lot as well too. Uh, there's just a bunch of people that have helped me, not only in the pattern welding, it's just in the knife making period, you know? And yeah, that, for uh, sure. Back to your question, what got me started with that was uh, losing my job uh, due to COVID. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was making uh, furniture. I was, uh, you know, I had hung up my pouch from the construction gig because my uh, physical body, I'm trying to maintain it for it to last as long as I could get it to last because I'm still somewhat of an active young adult i like to call myself you know at sure. 42 <laughs> but uh yeah you know so i hung up the pouch and i went to woodwork in which was what i'd been wanting to do forever you know make furniture and stairways and fireplace mantles and all that good stuff and uh i was living that dream and enjoying it loved my job and covid hit mm-hmm. that hit there was no more in-house installations there's no more jobs getting measured out People weren't calling. They didn't know if they were going to have money the next day. You know, it was the whole worldwide scare of COVID. So sure, I got laid off. And uh, that's the thing is I can't sit still. You know, I can't I can't sit there and wonder what's going to happen. And I'm going to go crazy. And then I realized as well, too, that one day to another, I lost my my liable income. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like I just lost. Yeah, sure. There was unemployment. They had that served. The uh, the whole they were giving money out like it was free. Sure. To everybody. So it, sure, that was there. You know, and it helped us. And it helped me too. But that's not what I wanted. I don't want to rely. So uh, I got mad, and I figured out what I needed to do to stay sane. So I had to get unmad. <laughs> and uh yeah i had to unmad myself and the only way i was able to do that was in our uh, woodworking shop we have on the property here okay and i went back to i had a bucket full of rusted axe heads and i started shaping some handles out from scrap you know scratch just hand working keeping myself busy keeping my mind going and posted a few of those and everybody well not everybody but they went like i did like four axe handles and restored axe heads and mm-hmm. they all sold, but I just didn't have that spark for it anymore. Okay. So, because uh, that's something I had done in the past. <laughs> Several, like, uh, over 100 axe heads restored and axe handles made. So, I didn't have that flame anymore, and I was big into bushcrafting. Great. And bushcrafting is about making your own tools in the end. So, and survival and gathering and 
you know, foraging and all that stuff. And I'd done all that process. Uh, except for making my own tool, such as of a knife. There you go. And then I was like, all right, need a tool, make a tool. There it is. And I needed a forge, so I did a little bit of quick Google research and made a forge, gas can, uh, paint can forge. There it is. Yeah, yeah nice. I, it seems like a lot of people start off with those paint can forges. Yeah, it worked for, for the minute that I needed sure. it. And quick enough, I realized, I was like, this is not, you know, like a month into my first knife being sold. You know what I'm saying? They want it. I was right. like, well, no, I'm not sure I want to sell this. You know, this is not the right knife. And they're like, no, I want your first knife. You know, a lot of people saw where I was going with this, like the locals. Because when sure. it first started, a lot of it was local. Right. And uh, and then these were $35 knives. <laughs> so you're way underselling them on price. Yeah, well, no. Th- to be honest with you, I don't even know if they were worth that. <laughs> I, I had no clue what I was doing. But uh, people were buying them, and they were going like hotcakes. And I was making these little Skinners for $35. Within three months, they were up to $125 because I was making them with known steel at that point. Right, right. And uh, still at $125, I was making a decent knife for that price. But that knife today is $350, you know? Right, right. I so, mean, that's that's a natural progression of things, though. Yeah, you know, it, it, it progressed and it went good, I find. Like, my progression was right. I didn't wait too long. <clears throat> I see a lot of makers out there that underprice their work. Uh, and I'm up front with it, too, and I'll tell them. Like, if they got a website and they got work for sale up there, I'll go tell them. It's like, dude. That knife is worth more than that. Unless there's flaws that we can't see in these pictures, that knife is worth, you know, give yourself credit and we'll get an extra $150, you know? We're talking to you, Jeremy Ballaball. You need to up your prices, man. <laughs> <laughs> there's a couple of them out there, too. I was the same thing. I was uh, Ryan Chadbourne there. Yeah, yeah. Dope, I agree with that one as yeah, well, for sure. Put those prices up. You can't be charging 100 and something dollars for a knife and a sheet, man. Right, Fuck. right. A thousand percent, I agree with you. No, that, no, because people will take advantage of that, and then you're stuck at these low prices, and you're not gonna move up. Like, right. I didn't have it. I didn't give people the chance to see my low prices. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Yeah. It's like I set myself in this world where I think I can go get what I ask for my my knives, and there's not once that I've had to undersell my asking price, and I don't put any of my work on liquidation or sale. I have no inventory. Like. What I have sitting right now is unfinished inventory, mm-hmm. and those twenty four knives, as in the progress of being made, half of them have sold. Nice, you know there what I'm saying. Go. So there's no, there's I run out of inventory every day. So like I said, it's if I ask for it and it sells, well, I'm gonna keep on asking for it. I ain't for gonna, sure. I ain't gonna go down or I ain't gonna fold for anyone who says, "Well, give me a deal." You know, deals don't pay bills, so. Right, and also, it always seems like it's it's that best buddy or the friend that you knew in high school is like, oh, well, I'm the I'm the buddy. I need a discount, buddy yeah, discount. Yeah. It's yeah. like, well, if you're my buddy, I feel like you should want to support me. What the yeah. hell? The only discount they get is if they come here in person and hand me cash in hand, they save taxes. Sure, sure, yeah. That's the only discount they'll get from me. Like to be honest, like I I don't pity the fools. I'm sorry to say it that <laughs> way, but if you think you're getting a deal from me, you're wrong. You know, like. For all of the IRS agents that are listening, that was a joke. We never do anything (laughs) even remotely like that. That is a joke and a joke only. (laughs) It happened during a fishing accident. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You lost a knife, and he lost however much the knife was worth. Yeah. yeah. uh, yeah. I lost my (laughs) bank account in a fishing accident. accident. (laughs) But, no, it's – but, yeah, like I was saying – that's pretty much how this all rolled out from the beginning was me about to lose my mind and needed to, to keep busy. And I was making a knife to bug out. Like I got a bug out, not a bug out spot, whatever, but it's like, it's a little camp spot that I made out in the mountain here. It's a couple kilometers up the hill. There you go. And uh, it's a nice quiet spot. There's a stream, there's a beaver dam, there's nature, you know, it's just nice. nothing there. And I got a lean to out there and I could bug out there if I needed to, but yeah. I was going to go spend a week or two out there with my knife that I had made, which I never made. So <laughs> I never went. I haven't been Man, since. It's that, it's that escape to nature that I'm really enjoying because, like, I personally get into these ruts where, you know, I, I come home and I'm, I'm working in the shop. I'm editing videos. I'm doing podcasts. I'm preparing for stuff. 
I'm doing all of the back end stuff and I'm just sitting, I'm sitting at my apartment or I drive an hour down the road and I'm working in the shop and my head's down and I'm, I'm doing that. And, you know, every once in a while I'll do live streams and stuff like that and try to try to keep the conversation going. But one thing that we did last night that I really enjoyed and we haven't done in a long time is we just grabbed Emily and I grabbed some hammocks and we went out into the woods here in Mount Pleasant. Yeah. We just laid out for like an hour and a half. Yeah, I see and just that. looked up into nature and enjoyed the fresh air. And it was just that like relief. Like yep. my, my stress had been building and building and building. And then I just laid out in the hammock for about an hour and a half. And I was just like, I feel completely anew. Next time you do that, walk around barefoot for a good half hour. Dude. <laughs> no, I'm serious. Walk yeah. around barefoot, dude. Yeah. People people say it's crazy, but I, 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 I don't think it's crazy. <laughs> yeah. You know, I won't tell you you're crazy, but no, you, we're 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 energy we are frequencies we we are living matter on this planet among many other living matters so we're all interconnected somehow so like i said man you know like you could sit in a car during a thunderstorm never get struck by lightning because you got rubber tires right we'll take those shoes off and go for a walk not on a thunderstorm but and get struck by lightning (laughs) yeah Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) might make you feel better who knows yeah maybe (laughs) i actually know a guy in uh in the states of connecticut that uh I got struck by lightning. Oh, survived. Shit. Yeah, this guy Matt, he got uh, he was outside smoking one, and it started raining hard, so he went underneath the tree. Oh no! Yeah, Poor and choice. as he was uh, smoking on his doob, uh, he got struck by lightning. Nice. He's a little off today, but he's still alive. Hey, there you but go. It definitely, yeah, it definitely messed him up a bit. <laughs> but what I was trying to go with that nature thing was it, it seems as if you have a really tight connection with nature. You you love going on these bushcrafting things. You like going out camping. Snowboarding is a yes. giant thing in your life. That's where uh, that's snowboarding is where. Um, how can I say is my other dimension? If you want to like I go there and there's no worries in the world like. I could just sit in the middle of the woods in five feet of snow alone and quiet and just listen and nothing beats the feeling. Like mm. nothing beats that. Just pure air, pure scenery, pure everything's just so clear. There's not even a track on the ground. You're like, and if there is, it's maybe a little bird or a, a little not a ferret, but a weasel that you know that just popped out here or there. Or, Deer. Last night, I was taking a video of one of my knives. A deer popped out right in front of me. Oh, wow. Like, like, we both lifted our heads at the same time and saw each other. He scared me, and I scared the shit out of him, and he ran off into the woods, you know? Yeah. But that right there took me 15 minutes of my time to enjoy that moment. And mm-hmm. the, the filming of the knife, the video, the reel I was making got put aside for 15, 20 minutes because I was walking around the tree line trying to see that deer. And I was like, oh, yeah. deer here but no, right like it's it's just nature it's you know i was brought up you know not in a concrete jungle or nothing like that either so i was brought up in the woods mm-hmm. you know woods are my backyard so i don't know i i tried the city here and the city in the states and it never for me it was not my thing i just really strongly connected with it like you said i used to be big into the foraging of mushrooms and natural herbs and all that stuff you know medicinals and fishing i don't even eat fish you know and i was big into fishing (laughs) but since i started making knives i haven't been out you know i went fishing last summer i sprained my knee on my second time fishing Mm -hmm. i put that away because i was like all right if i'm getting hurt i can't work i hear that yeah Yeah, so i was like work is more passion than anything else to me right now and Fishing is not that big of a passion, but nature is. So I'll just enjoy nature. Otherwise, then, you know, a friend asked me to go fishing, and I ended up with a sprained knee on my ass for two weeks. <laughs> kind of puts a sour taste in your mouth for it. Yeah, especially thing. if you don't eat the fish, you know. <laughs> yeah, I guess that would, that would be an absolute pain in the ass. Or I guess yeah, it's not worth it to me. You know, I enjoy it, but there's other ways, like I said, I could enjoy it. You know? Yeah. So. Going back into your history, was that construction job the first job you ever had, or what What was it that you worked on before then? Uh, my first, like, real, like, clock-in, clock-out job as a kid. Sure. Like, during school, like, I came back from the States. I'd worked that summer when I was 14. Uh, sure. Then during school, I was uh, working bag boy 
at a grocery store in Maine. All right. Fort Kent, yeah. So I worked a bag boy gig until I got fired for calling out sick and going snowboarding on a snow day. <laughs> <laughs> got fired I mean, from his first job for snowboarding. It just just shows you how much I have love for the sport, right? <laughs> yeah, it's it's in your blood, man. I know it is. I'm going on my 34th season this winter, so yeah, it's definitely in my blood. For sure. But uh, sure. after I got fired from that bag boy job, uh, I worked at the slaughterhouse cleaning right. that up at night we were cleaning and if there was overtime going on like they were still had the line going we'd come in after school and work on that and then clean up the slaughterhouse till like two in the morning then go to school nothing then, like uh nothing like a super like gritty hard job to really put in the the mindset of work hard get what you need uh, to do uh, what uh, you uh, need the, to do the slaughterhouse was hardcore yeah yeah, slaughterhouse yeah. is nasty and it's hardcore. And it back then it wasn't as advanced as it is now, so it was a lot of physical labor. Yeah. Uh, the place burnt down maybe a dozen years ago, and they rebuilt the whole place, so it got rebuilt with all the new technologies and all that. Mm. So a lot of automated shit goes on now. But uh, back in the day, it, it was a nasty job to work, and nobody wanted to work there really. But uh, you you you'd either freeze your ass off or you'd fucking. It was just nasty. Yeah, I mean, there was a lot of dirty jobs with what's his name there on uh, Discovery Channel or whatever. Mike Rowe. Yeah. Yeah. Like like, kind of work you see there, you know, like (laughs) deep in fucking chicken guts and shit like that. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's brutal. That's super brutal. But like before that, as a kid, I was always like on the farm, giving a hand there too. There's a bunch of farms in the family on my mother's side. So I was always out about doing shit. Like you're always i mean you it's it's kind of like i feel like it's the truth with midwestern or just northern people in general it's it's all a lot of hard work and like you you learn very early on to yeah. work hard and get things done yeah like well when, I don't know. when you know we are brought up by our parents right when your parents are hard workers they're obviously gonna show you that that uh work ethic if you want to say yeah you know and uh, i was brought up to work for what you want you know yeah, stealing is easy, but it ain't gonna get you nowhere. So you're gonna work for what you want. You gotta uh, work for it. <laughs> yeah, you know, there's three of us here as children, and we're all six years apart. So growing up, we weren't rich or anything like that. My father always worked two jobs to provide, and my mother worked fifty hours a week too. You know, so we had cousins and grandparents taking care of us after school and shit. Like, so it was always around the yard doing shit. Uh, we heated with wood, so you know we we had the example of working, seeing our parents work, and then we had the the tasks around the yard to do because we had to sure. annually split twelve cords of firewood. Jeez. Oh, yeah, and you know because we had my grandmother living next door, so she had six cords, we had six cords, so it was always shit like that, you know. Yeah. Now I said it's you know kind of a northern trait. That's that's not entirely true. There's working hard people everywhere over oh, the nation, but definitely. you know. Yeah. I don't know. It's just it just seems like you know, it's hearing just, hearing about your background, it sounds very familiar for sure. Well, let's just put it this way: if you go, say you just go down to Connecticut, for example, sure. where I was, you go there. I'd say about fifty, like maybe even more. I'd say seventy five percent of Bristol, Connecticut, is French. Yeah, that's where we all migrated to. It seems, and uh, <laughs> and there's a reason why there's a bunch of us down there doing what we do, and they're all doing drywall and framing. You know, sure. you go on a job site, you speak French, you'll get answered in French down there. You could go to the diner in the morning and you'll have 30 Frenchmen lined up for breakfast and there won't, it's, I'm not judging people or anything, but it's just how it is. You know, the, the, it's a dying breed. Mm-hmm. It is definitely a dying breed. Uh, the, the French seem to have a reputation of being hard workers, but I wouldn't apply that to today's generation because like, I, I don't agree with what much they do. <laughs> But it is what it is. I I'm not here to bash anyone. It's just you know, if you want something, go work for it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, as as a millennial myself, I I understand that there are a lot of jackasses in every generation. Yeah, uh, it's just you know, it is what it is. There's there's always gonna be a punching bag for you know every every level. It's just the way it is. Because my brother, my older brother, uh, he's going on his fifty into his fifties, and. Uh, like uh, there's people his age in town here living in tents because their house is condemned and it was pretty much a crack house, you know. And this oh, guy wow. here is like the leader, and he's got like 
He's got twenty year olds living in fucking campers and tents in that backyard. I know it's wow. it's like tent city almost. Like there's a bunch of little crackheads living there, and this guy's oh, like geez. fifty years old, hanging out with them and living with them. Like so, that like that just said, sounds like a terrible situation. No, dude, it is terrible. I, I I pity the guy seriously. At one point, like I saw him walking down the street, losing his shit, like saying he was gonna kill himself, and he had no nothing to feed his his daughter with, and couldn't even feed himself, and this and that. And I felt bad for the guy. And, like I said, I don't eat the fish that I, I fish. My father eats some, but, like, I just grabbed everything I had in the cooler from the fish, the moose, and bear meat, and deer meat, and I gave it to him. You know, I, I yeah. felt bad for him, but he never helped himself, you know? Mm. So I wouldn't want to be in that position, so that's why I work hard. You know? <laughs> that's why we work hard. That's for damn sure. Um, so speaking of working hard, let's talk about the new pre- the new toys that you have in on the forging side of your shop. It the seems like toy, the newest toy would be the press. Yeah, let I mean, let's talk about all of them because you've you've yeah. got your forge, you've got your anvil, you've got a press. I mean, yep. the kilns you, in there as well too. So it's technically the hot, the hot room is what it is. Man, you know, I it, got all my welding set up in there too. Uh, anything that needs to be ground is ground in there. So if I'm grinding anything with the cutting discs, that's done in there. Uh, forging, press, uh, heat treat, and it definitely sure. helps cool my shop down when i'm in those processes because sure. it's not just an eight by 12 getting heat up like an oven yeah to <laughs> how many degrees fahrenheit you know <laughs> but uh yeah yeah now it's definitely with the addition in the back and like i said getting that press i've had the press for about what a month and a half now mm-hmm. and i just went crazy with it i'm still itching to use it but i gotta control myself <laughs> seriously it's like fuck i'm sitting here hand sanding i was like press. <laughs> you've got you've got the new toy it's christmas you're a little boy yeah. sitting around the tree you just yeah, opened well, the just perfect present so many ideas through going through my head and so many yeah. like i'm sitting there hand sanding and i'm watching videos of you know pattern welding you know as sure. i'm hand sanding i'm not even paying attention to what i'm doing Ooh, yeah like i'm watching shit these days and it's like i don't want to put the, the the plow in front of the bull or whatever i, I don't sure, know if you sure. guys say that expression but you get what i'm the saying the cart like, in front of the horse but yeah, yeah the cart in front of the horse yeah we call it a plow in front of the bull hey man that works too <laughs> all the yeah. same ideas but so anyway. let's let's dive into that so what kind of like right now you're doing sand mize and layered steels and you're doing some pretty rudimentary damascus <laughs> so what is you you're obviously your your sights are set very high in the Damascus making world. So what's the next process? What's the thing that you're just want? you're itching so bad to get done. I want to make, uh, I really want to go ahead and make some, uh, like some proper baskets and stuff like that. And use okay. that for cladding. So I'm going to have to, like I said, I've been watching some videos, but not everybody gives away their secrets. So there's still some steps that I have an idea of, but yeah. I'm not sure. So I might have to scratch a certain person's mind for a minute or two at one point. <laughs> which, like I said earlier, he's been open with me and helping me. So, <laughs> But uh, it's just like he gives me those little tricks that make things happen, you know, and I sure. appreciate that. Sure. But uh, that's one thing I want to do is some proper masks for claddings. Uh, there's that. But the mosaic thing is something I'd like to give a shot just for the challenge. Sure. It's something I'd want to do on the regular. No, because that's a train a lot of people seem to be on right now. Mm-hmm. And I want to leave them their train and just be my own creative mind as a maker and an artist. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I don't like replicating. Like, if there's 100 people making an explosion mosaic, you ain't going to see an explosion mosaic from me. If you're going to be putting in, like, little pickles in it. Yeah, there's going to be something totally, totally. Yeah. Okay, yeah, I could do a raindrop pattern on anything, but you know how many other people are doing raindrop patterns? I mean, and like I'm looking for ways to to change these patterns around a bit so they're unique and done differently. And people, you know, I've done patterns where people are like, is that a twist? And no, it's just a diagonal ladder pattern. Yeah, you know, and it came out like a twist. Speaking on your creativity, I saw you did a billet where there were there were raindrop holes drilled and then also ladder pattern like channels drilled yeah that's that's something i hadn't seen much i don't think i've seen that around so i mean that's just another it's it's just another example of what i like to do sure sure what it is because to me like i said i don't i don't even like replicating my own work like i was approached 
took uh, to to have uh, DXF files cut out of designs of knives and have those on my website available for purchase and blah blah blah, because I would make that knife if I could get the files. I was like, yeah, but I don't want thousands of people making my knife because I don't yep. want to make the same knife twice. I hear that. I hear. So that. I've turned down three sets of twins in the past year because I don't want to make the same knife twice. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I'm not that anal about it. I'll throw two different handles on them if you don't mind. But if we're not doing different handles, I ain't fucking doing it. Wow. I mean, that's that's a level of, you know, each one is a thumbprint. Each one's going to be totally different. Exactly, yeah. That's why yeah. production and any of that, like, I don't want none of it. Like, I don't want to make twins. You show me a knife that I already made, and you're like, I want this. Well, you ain't getting that. I'm sorry. Right. I, I'm straight up. It's like, it's going to be different. There's going to be something different to it. It's not going to be the same. The handle might be different. If you have something to say about it, say it now. Yeah. And uh, pretty easy peasy. Like, I, I have it easy with my customers. They're not too, too picky. I always get the, yeah. the artist card. Do your thing, you know? Man, that that's something that I very rarely get. And maybe it's just because you're set up as, you know, you're very open about everything being super different. And every every little process is going to be a little bit different on every knife. So maybe that's because, you know, that's that's just who you are as a person. Yeah, exactly what it is. It's exactly yeah. like I love diversity, first of all. I love different and colors. And I love it just, sure. you know, and it's just who I am as a person. Yeah. And it's me expressing myself with this art form without you having think, to say a word. Do you think you want to – it's it's the internal need to progress on every single knife, do something a little bit different or a little bit better. And the reason why you're not willing to make the same knife twice is because that would feel like a lateral move? Um, Kind of, yeah. That, that, that makes sense. I never thought of it that way. Sure. Uh, it makes sense. Definitely makes sense, yeah. Oh, you got <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> Try not oh, to swear geez. as much, and I almost said, you know, beep, beep, you, Brian, but thank you, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shoot. But, yeah, shoot. you got me gear now, but, no, it is kind of like that, yes. yes. Yeah, I've never okay. seen it that way, but, yeah, definitely, it is like a lateral move. It feels like yeah. I would, because the progression in between each blade, I see myself personally, and and I'm always, I'm, I'm hungry for that. You know what I'm there saying? That's that's what I'm stirring up in that part. Every knife I make is a fresh batch of the, of this one's going to be better than the next one. Yeah, you know? sure. You're hungry to progress. You're hungry for every single knife to be better than the last one. So let's go back to your tools. So you've got your press. You've got your power. Or no, you've got your power press. You've got your anvil. You've got your forge. Kiln. You've got your kiln. Yep. What is the next tool that you're you're wanting? You you have your eyes set on. I'm itching for a uh, mini milling machine, benchtop milling machine. Okay. That's... All right. And what's the plans with it? I don't want to tell you guys yet. Oh, come on, man. <laughs> That's what we're here uh, for. We got to see know, the inside scoop. There's knife making, and then there's folding knives. <laughs> okay. You know, right. and folders are a different ballgame. I got, I got 10 friction folders coming up, like, within the next week or soon. So, like, I got to give up my press and everything else and focus on these folders but i want to i want to make a bigger uh hey guys sorry about that we had some technical difficulties had some wi-fi cut out ugh, all that stuff so we're back here with nick tobin man do you even remember what we were talking about before when it cut out are you serious <laughs> <laughs> oh we were talking about the um tools the yes. tools that you're working on and the things that you're you're looking to get uh, mini mill, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the mini mill, the mini mill, yes. yeah, yeah. Yeah, That's mini milling machine, so I could make uh, locking folders and shit like that. Okay. Uh, locking folders are not something that I plan on taking orders for. Okay. Locking folders will be made when I feel like making them, and will be sold when they are made. It it's kind of like that friction folder that you made. It's just like a, you had an itch, you had to make it, and it's not something that you're going to make on a regular basis. Yeah, well, I've gone on 30 made on this next batch. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. I take that right back. <laughs> yeah, no, dude, to be honest with you, like, this batch is heavy on me right now. It's like, I'm not, like, I'm not going to say I'm not sure I want to do it or not. I have to do it, but, uh, mm -hmm. 
I don't really feel like doing it. You know what I'm saying? It's like uh, they're they're friction folders. Mm. You know, I want to up that game. Like I want to make it better. I want to, you know, so I I'm not. They're not going to be like the last batch or the batch before that. Every batch has been different. You know, so like mm-hmm. I'm, I got to come up with a new design, new handle, new everything. You know, and it's not that that process I like. But then it's making ten knives that are they're going to be practically the same. At least like there's four of them that got to be black and green. Oh boy. Well, I just so that I don't have to make four that are exactly the same. I've got four different types of black handled materials. Okay, all right. You know, one's going to be carbon fiber, one's going to be canvas micarta, one's going to be linen micarta, and the other one's probably going to be burlap micarta or whatever black burlap micarta. You know, I'm just going to switch things around just so that they're not the same. All right, all right. But that uh, makes sense. Yeah, like I said, I don't want to. I don't want to make them in runs anymore because 10, 10 is going to be a big run. I see that coming, and it's going to take me a couple of weeks to get through it. And I'm kind of dreading it. Yeah, that is something, you know, I've been doing batch work for, for the past year or so, or even a little bit longer than that. And I always have somewhere between 8 and 20 knives that I'm working on at a time. Yeah. And I always much prefer doing 8 knives at a time than doing 20 knives at a time because – you do one process in a day, you know, the first day you're, you're profiling them and, you know, grinding them to shape and doing all the prep work and holes and stuff like that. It seems like it's very like one day you're doing one process and you're done with it and you move on where it's like you get to those larger things and you're spending multiple days profiling, you're sending multiple days, heat treating. It just seems like it's a lot of the monotonous same three days of hand sanding. Yeah. Yeah. God, (laughs) I feel like I very rarely do a hand sanded finish. Like everything, I, I do a satin finish off the belt, and that's yeah. just what it is. Well, see, like it, mono steel, I don't mind leaving a a belt finish on, you know, a satin belt finish or whatever. And I, with kitchen knives, I think that's the best place to leave it. But when you're playing with fucking Damascus and shit yeah. like that, yeah, like you get such a different outcome. Like an 800 grit hand sanded versus a uh, 600 grit belt finish with a surface conditioning belt afterwards, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, there's such a big difference in the outcome after etching and all that good stuff. And the whole etching process as well, too, will matter the outcome, if you want to say it that way. But, uh, like, I there's one that I put out yesterday, the smaller little guy, uh, at 15 and 20 is not popping enough for me. It's like more of a a flat it's not poppy and the blade okay. is you know and it's not a high grit finish it's 220 and then surface conditioning belt you know and okay there's a big difference on an etch finish than there would be mm-hmm. with an 800 hand sanded finish you know right right I so that's why when it comes to you know if i'm gonna be making this fancy damascus and sand by and everything i'm gonna put the effort and time into making it to where it's gonna look best it can and have its full so, potential as a finish you know does that also mean that you're gonna have to get away from the batch work so that you don't lose your mind on every single like every single batch it's not as much losing my mind i could keep my mind okay with that when i'm working on these big batches hand sanding and all that the only thing that gets to me is the pain you know that gets mm. to my mind a bit and that's why i have to back off from certain tasks to do something different and get away from the batch Okay. Like I I've been hand sanding for three days and uh my wrists and my hands are killing me and mm. like bad. And mm. I ain't gonna complain about it, but I did forge weld. You know what sure. I'm saying? Just to get my sure. mind off of all of that and like for two days I did a bill it up for a buddy of mine and uh I'll be sending that out to him after we're done recording. I gotta run to the post office. But uh yeah, like he wanted a Damascus Sam my billet stock removal thickness and all that so i was like all right well i'll just do this now and get away from this and take a couple days off from hand sanding which is how i deal with it i guess there's always something else to do to get away from the the dirty grind yeah especially especially if you're going to be going on the you know damascus making process like It's so easy. Okay, so this process is bumming me out. How about I make a couple billets and fuel the fire that I have for making Damascus? Exactly. And it turns everything right around, dude. That's what it did for me. 
Right. And what I was going to say is when you sit back down to do that hand sanding, well, it's already halfway done. You know, it's almost done. I, yep. It seems like there's just, only, okay, so one more day, that's it. Where before it was like, oh my God, I have to do a whole nother day of this bullshit. I got one blade out of all blades that were heat treated, ground, and hand sanded and ready for, you know, maker's mark and etching before handles. Sure. Uh, there's one blade, the paring knife, hidden tang paring knife. It's sitting mm-hmm. there half sanded. Mm. for the past three days mm. I, I didn't even finish it <laughs> <laughs> it's literally got one side that's still test etched and the other side's 800 finish well you'll get back to it yeah There's, i'm gonna get I mean, back to it but yeah. it's just sitting there half and half you know it's like yeah, yeah this is it this is where you like i got sick of hand sanding that night and i was like you know what tomorrow's another day i'm starting i think i started five like i cleaned those all up acetone whatever i got my logos etched into it Mm-hmm. And then I started etching last night. And I got one left to etch. And, Yo, speaking uh, of etching, you you have that laser engraver situation going on. What what got you on that train? Uh, ben Ben bites. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. And Ben, uh, I'd seen Ben do the experimenting with it when he first started doing it, and I, I had the idea too of doing it. Like I was like, that makes sense. You know, my friend Bruce has got a laser engraver, but it's not big heavy duty one that would do steel because we had tried and we figured it out quick enough that it wouldn't work so uh i was like there's got to be a way to do it then i saw ben around the corner doing it with different methods that he was trying out then but uh yeah i saw him doing that then nail polish is what made me i was like all right i'm gonna try this this is simple make it work and then it worked so you have to use black nail polish on that, right? No, I'm using uh, whatever. Pickle green? No. Ah, come on. It doesn't even have a color. <laughs> I feel like just for brand's sake, you got to go with like a green tone. I know. That'd be cool. I should do that. But it's called <laughs> You Wish. The color is You Wish. I don't Ooh, know. Ooh, all right. Nice and yeah. saucy on that one. Oh, all right. very saucy. <laughs> saucy. So you've got... Tell us all about that press that you got because that's that was a huge thing and that that's only been in your shop. What'd you say, a month and a half or so? Uh, about a month and a half, yeah. And uh, fucking, I've been pressing. It's a twelve ton. Nice. A twelve ton ram's head. It's made here in Canada, so obviously saved a bunch of money getting it mm-hmm. uh, compared to anything in the states and having it brought over to here. You know. Uh. And to be honest with you, I've played with bigger presses. I uh, sixteen ton and Brian's twenty five ton. Mm-hmm. Sure, they move steel. Uh, what am I doing though? You know what I'm saying? I'm making billets. Do I really need a bigger press than that? Uh, my opinion is no. I'm okay with it. You know, I enjoy the process. There's, I don't feel like I'm running out of heat or time or whatever. You know, like everything's fine with me, and I'm kind of person that likes to you know make things uh, efficient so that i do save time and nice. the press is working fine on that side uh functionality wise like it pressing still it moves 12 tons is more than enough for even if, like i've seen other guys that's why i went with 12 tons i saw guys make hammers and axe heads out of with i mean a 12 ton press you know hammers and axes huh is that on the horizon too uh to be honest with you if I am making hammers and axes, a uh, personal, or personal okay. tool, they're not they're not gonna be up for sale. Okay. Uh, not not those kind of axes. I wouldn't mind throwing out a few, you know, right, like wrapped axes or whatever. But I ain't drifting heads for people. That shit's a lot of work. I imagine like I so. Sp- I spent a day making my hammer, and I don't see myself working that hard to make a couple hundred bucks. You know, I'm right, sure I can right. get it down to a technique where I'm not working as hard like Peter has it down and he makes it look easy. But he had me in a shop for five days and I just learned a bunch of stuff. And then I was like, all right, next time I'm making a hammer piece, the next time I need one and I'm putting it down here and yeah. we're going to make it together. You know, it's like there was no yeah, way yeah. for me of absorbing everything <clears throat> on, in that time period to be able to say, come home and make a hammer on my own. Yeah, you yeah. Know, because for a first hammer, I think my hammer came out pretty legit. Yeah, for sure. 
Speaking of having a hard time of absorbing everything, we met down at Blade Show in Atlanta, and that was that was a whole nother experience of seeing so many people and just like I felt so overwhelmed by the end of Blade Show. Yeah, yeah. It's funny how you felt overwhelmed. I I I left and I felt sad. (laughs) (laughs) Well, no, don't get me wrong. I was sad to walk away from Blade Show too. We like having the couple days with you know buddies I've met around all the place. But I mean, talk. Tell us about the Blade Show experience. Experience from the pickle cutter side of things. That that was an experience of itself. You know, like yeah. that was. I put that at top of the list of best experience, like life experiences. Mm-hmm. Uh, I. It's like I told Brian. It's pretty sad that I had to be two thousand miles away from home to feel like I was home. <laughs> oh wow! Yeah. Yeah. You know, and then like a bunch of like-minded people, and everybody like the energy there was just so great. And everybody that you would take time to talk with, people that did take time to talk with you, mm-hmm. I just met a bunch of great people. It was people I wasn't expecting to meet. wasn't expecting to meet. I mean, and I got to. You know, and then at one point I was like, wait a second, there's a bunch of these people here, and I had to like, because at first when I did get there, like it wasn't even about meeting all these people. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, and I met a bunch of people. And was like, maybe I should take pictures with these people. <laughs> well, I wasn't even taking pictures with them at one point because I like the starstruck factor was yeah, there. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? It's like because I felt like I was home, dude. I felt the exact same way on the flight home. I was going through the pictures that I took, and I literally took like ten pictures total. Yeah, yeah and it was just—I was so mad at myself for not taking pictures with all these people. I probably have like four or five pictures, and that's it. I don't even have pictures like with. Like, I, there's one with me and Brian at Blade Show. We both yeah. have a drink in our hands, and both of us were on air saying how we don't drink. <laughs> right, right, right. But uh, yeah. that was a great picture, and it was a great time. You know, I was, I'm very, very happy I got to live that with, you know, that experience with the people that are close to me in the community, such as you, Brian, you know, and even Dexter being there, and then Nate and everybody else, and James Fleming as well, too. You know, they're all great people. Yeah. They're all people that were part of the circle even before going down to Blade, you know, like yeah, both houses, you know. And yeah. so getting to meet everybody in person, that, like I said, it was just it was an amazing feeling. It's just like my weekend down in Nova Scotia last week. Mm-hmm. That, like, I couldn't ask for better. Leaving there, too, made me feel like I was at a home. I felt more home there than I would here because there's I don't have that community here. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? The time spent in Brian's shop in Florida was the same feeling, too. It's like just being in the shop with somebody who has – either the same work ethic as you or has the same drive, passion, everything, you know, mm-hmm. like it, it's a one of a kind thing that I don't have the opportunity to, to live here, you know, like there's happen. just something, there's something that gets in the air when so many makers get together. Like it's just a positive experience. Everything is going right. Nothing could go wrong. Even when well, things go wrong, we fix a it. solution. Yes. There's right. A solution. Right. Like there's Jill here locally. Uh, I'll say it like, uh, Brian would say Giles Pelotaire. <laughs> <laughs> he tries. He puts in yeah. the effort. Yeah. Well, I'm just so used to you know calling it. It would be Giles in English technically, but uh, we say Jill. Jill. Yeah. But yeah. Anyways, uh, like he's twenty minutes, not even down the road for me. But yeah. like he does his thing, I do my thing. He's retired, you know, so he's not sure. full time, full blast like I am with anything. And we do get together once in a while. He'll swing by, and I'll swing by. But when we do, we're not making it. We're just shooting the shit. You know, so what do sure, you got going sure. on? How's life? Blah blah blah. We're hanging out like friends more than anything else. Right. Right. I think we've sure. made together once. That's it. <laughs> yeah. That's surprising it. to me. Yeah, I know. Well, is like he's the one that helped me forge my first knife the shape and all that like he he'd been through nick rossi and noah vachon and like he's got a few classes under his belt so he he shared the knowledge with me and gave me all sure. the tricks and tips and uh that's the only time i think that we forged together and worked together sure sure and i think it also gets back to the fact that the community the community of makers in general are just so nice and they're so willing to help each other like you like you touched on before you know there's so many people that you just reach out to and they're like, Oh yeah, let me tell you how you're doing, how to do it because they see that you're, you're on the rise and you're trying to figure things out and you're making things happen and they want to help you instead of, Oh, well, no, that's, that's my thing and figure it out yourself. 
And I think that's that's just, you know, it it's very it's it's just such a good example of so many cool people making some really cool things, wanting to raise all ships instead of tear down, you know, other Exactly. People. Instead of tearing everybody yeah. down. There's no point in that. You know, that's just bad juju. That's bad karma, man. You be an ass, yeah. you get treated like an ass and then ass right. shit happens to you, man. You know, it's like Yeah. It's just a vicious circle. If you want to be a dick, you're going to end up being treated like a dick. You know, it's, it's just, I don't I, know what I'm saying. People, go ahead. What I'm going to is, you know, you are a very, you know, you're like a glue in the community. It seems like whatever you're a part of, you you bring the people together. You're you're always, you're I've always. I've been hearing you, that, yeah. I'm just yeah, being you myself, seem, though. <laughs> right. I mean, and yeah. that's, that's, I mean, you're being yourself. Maybe that's a part of it. Yeah, and that's it. You know, like, I'm not purposely trying to get everybody together or anything like that. It's just the energy. Like, I don't know. I, as much as I don't really like being around people, but if it's like-minded people, then I'm okay. You know, like, Right, right. You know, oh, man. And, and it's a good place to be. It has done so much for me as a person for personal growth and everything that there's so many kind people out there that it, you forget about all the bad. You know what I'm saying? Man, I feel like that is a fantastic way to end the podcast. Thank you. Thank you again. I'm sorry we had those technical difficulties oh, in the course. middle. I'm it not happens. even sure how long this thing went. Who cares? We're going to have you back anyway, so it's, it doesn't no, no, really definitely. matter, I'd right? Like to, I'd like to jump in with uh, you and Brian eventually again. I know I've been quite a few times. I probably sound like a, a word for it, fanboy and a little uh, <laughs> podcast whore here, but no, it's like wow. it's been a while since I've been on air. You know, it's since beginning June, I haven't. You know, I did the one with you guys when I was down at the shop, and then this is the sure. only one I've done since then. Uh, I had sure. something lined up with the Hustle and Grind podcast, but that got thrown away because I was actually not here that weekend after all. Sure. So you got to reschedule that. But uh, that's something I'd like to get my feet into more as a, as a guest on the shows more. Like trying to get people to be like, I'm going to start bugging people, dropping DMs, be like, hey, get me on your show. Well, man, you have an open invite. Whenever you want to jump on an interview, our mics are always open. You can come over and hang out. But yeah, man, where can people find you? Uh, Instagram, pickles underscore cutters. Well, not pickles, pickle underscore cutters. Cutters with a K. And ends with a Z. Z, yep. Yeah, and then yeah. uh, pickle cutters on Facebook and then www.picklecutters.com. All right, man. Thank you again for joining. I've been Thanks Brian Cohn. Nick Tobin in the house. Always, always appreciate you, man. Appreciate Can't you wait too, to bud. see you. Can't wait to see you again on another live stream. All right, guys. I hope everyone has a fantastic working week. See you guys later. I guess that's about it, isn't it? Yeah, man. Sounds good. Peace out.